Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Journal Podcast. I'm joined here today by a very special guest, Mr. Sider himself. Uh, I can officially introduce him now as my co-host of the Hoop Journal Podcast. He's going to be, I was able to convince him to uh, to come on for weekly episodes now. So we'll be doing probably every Friday, putting out a new episode. And uh, I'll still do episodes with other people here and there where I can, trying to get other people on the pod as well. But yeah, Mitchell Sider joining the crew officially. So uh, big episode today. I'm very excited. Mitch, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I think what the Hoop Journal podcast was lacking was a deranged Raptors fan who is going to live and die by Grady Dick. So I think I think I bring to the table the exact kind of piece de resistance you were lacking. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, let's let's jump right into this by talking about the James Harden trade to the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, we're a few days behind now, so we've, we've had some time to sort of sit on it, uh, develop our takes, let them marinate a little bit. So I'll go to you, Mitch, first. Just give me your just first immediate reaction to to Harden to L.A. So actually, before just so for the people who are living under a rock, James Harden got traded to the Clippers alongside P.J. Tucker, some guy named Philippe Petrosev um, <laughs> for, <laughs> for some guy named Philippe Petrosev. Yeah, some guy. I've seen that name before. No idea who he is, but I know that he's on an NBA roster. Um, yeah, they got traded for, uh, for Robert Covington, Nick Batum, Kenyon Martin Jr., two first round picks two second round picks okay is involved somewhere in there but yeah go ahead mitch what, what was your like immediate reaction to this trade so my immediate reaction was um not not to say that i was ex- it was just a matter of time kind of thing right but um i genuinely was impressed by a how daryl Morey was able to milk just as much as he possibly could out of a disgruntled harden and b just how bad I am going to feel for the Clippers in circa 24 months, because not only have they now handcuffed themselves to the next season, having to win a ring or well, this season, actually having to win this chip. Uh, they've also handcuffed themselves to a four man uh, quadro of James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi and PG of maybe, maybe collectively playing 35 games together, maybe? I'll be at load management. It's generous. Um, I, I'm trying to be an optimist here because while if I, if I were to hand out grades, uh, I absolutely love Daryl Morey. I think he is he's a finagler in the best of terms because for a guy who was not getting on the plane, not, not showing up at training camp, uh, showing up to see his other boys play, like he was spotted. I don't know if anybody saw this. But he was actually spotted uh, in like the row, like F seven or something, at a Clippers game. So, oh really? Yeah, no, that was so scummy when I saw that on Twitter, or, or sorry, X. When I saw that on X, Ugh, um, it's Twitter. The Clippers, oh boy, you know, you good luck, good luck to you. Yeah. I I honestly have no idea what your plan is if you don't win a ring because, uh, according to my little chart here the only player that they have signed under contract is pj tucker for next year (laughs) they're only guy they've got it's going to be the pj show next year welcome to the new clippers arena we have pj tucker philip pestrovis pestrovis (laughs) no he actually philip petrosev got flipped to the kings i think for cash oh easy for cash because you know you know uh palmer needed that yeah Um, yeah, Balmer. yeah Balmer. so so in a grand scheme of things, I looked at that tweet and I laughed because I was like, oh boy, the Clippers are done. They're dusted. They're washed. Like this is it, it, for, for a Philly team that wasn't going to get anything for Harden anyway. 
this is I think his best case scenario you got because because mm-hmm. like dude I like KJ Martin I I, I think KJ Martin's like kind of low key like an underrated pickup for them especially because you know you hate on the Ubre wing selection no so, Ubre's been good so, I did I did you're felt, right I did he's been good I'm I'm coming around he's been good he's been but good KJ Martin gives you another option on the yes. wing there yes. um Rocco comes home that's good for the culture. Um, I think Sam Presti's low key another genius because he's just like, wait, 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 guys, Clippers, you, See, let, you, me, let me get you, in there real quick. You, yeah. you need those pick swaps, so you know what I'll do? I'll give you back one of your futures, unprotected, but in re- in return, I get one more down the road. So he yeah. pe- he pretty much basically was like, I'm gonna run into a roster problem next year anyway, so we'll just prolong your right. inevitability let me, let me of just not having this issue down the road while also upgrading the pick that I'm gonna get eventually. <laughs> so so instead of you know. Maybe getting like a, a late, late first rounder when the Clippers are still kind of winning games. He now pretty much guaranteed himself like a top 15 pick down the road. So it's like, I think Sam Presti sort of slid in and was like, wait, wait, guys, guys, wait, wait. Let me help you complete this James Harden trade. I'll be a good guy. And nobody realizes that he's like, yeah, fucking idiots. Yeah, Presti is always just maximizing those draft picks. I think we talk about the price of this trade for the Clippers. Like, I went back and forth on it a lot because on the one hand, who was competing for James Harden? It was pretty clear no one else was going to trade for him. But at the same time, they're all in already. Do those picks, does it really matter if you're Steve Ballmer with those picks? Probably not. True. That's a good, see, my perspective was they outbid themselves. Yes. No, I think they, I, I'm on that side of it too. They but. were, they were like in this weird thing where it's like, oh no, we gotta, we gotta get to Maury's asking price. And it's like, you're not competing with any other team for hard. Right. Nobody wants to touch him with a 10 foot pole. I'm surprised you wanted him as bad as you did. Like I would have assumed because, you know, Harden has been such a diva to put it lightly over the past, like two years now, I guess um, that, that the Clippers would have tried to be like, clearly he's not touching the court for you. Like, let us just take him off your hands. But it feels like, they really like put on the pressure to get this trade done. And I, I, for the life of me, can't see why. The only thing that I can think of as to why they were so pressed to make this trade, because you would think, okay, yeah, just wait till the deadline. No one else is going to, like, the Sixers have to move Harden, right? Like, you just yeah. wait. But given the, uh, I don't know what, what the best word for it is, but given how difficult it would be to implement all of those guys together, I think they wanted as many games as possible. Like you said, they're probably going to play at most like 35 games altogether, as is. So if you waited until February to do this, you're just limiting the number of opportunities to have Harden play with Kawhi and PG. That's like the one thing I can say. They're like, okay, you had to make this trade now. You had to get him on the roster as soon as possible. Um, yeah. And I guess like you can you can convince yourself like, oh, we didn't have to give up Terrence Mann uh, all as well, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of seeing both sides of it because I, I get why the Clippers wanted to just get this over with. But at the same time, they were competing against nobody. They did outbid themselves, like you said. So yeah, I think now... I've actually seen a couple, no, not to call them delusional, um, a couple Clippers fans now claim that they have the best starting five. And 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 while while I think that you have a, a very interesting starting five, I think, you know, if you still stacked it up against the Celtics starting five. I was going to say, the Pacers, I mean, the Pacers just lost the Celtics by 50. Exactly. Here's, here's my main gripe, is that I think people are focusing – a little too much. Like, don't I love Terrence Man? I love me some team man. He's not this like ridiculously polarizing player that changes the flow of a game. 
Like right. he's a, he's a he, nice piece to the rotation. He's a nice piece, but for for you to like breathe a sigh of relief that you didn't have to trade him, it's like really, like that's the guy that you're relieved you didn't have to move. Like, All because he hit he hit wide open corner threes against Utah that one time. Oh, I swear, cool. dude. I swear, Terrence Mann is like considered <laughs> just viewed as like such a better player because of that one game. Yeah, he's good. So, like you said, he's, I like him. He's a good player. But yeah, I yeah. wouldn't be like I wouldn't be jumping for joy because we didn't have to give up Terrence Mann in this deal, yeah. you know. So I think I like I think their closing lineup would be like Harden, George, Mann, Leonard, and Zub. Zub. But I also don't like the idea of like here's my here's my thing. Paul George is going to be fine. It doesn't matter what position he's in. He like. He does not demand the ball the same as Kawhi and Harden, right? And 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 that's good because like gen- generically speaking, Paul George is fine with being the guy that cooks when you give him the rock. But he's such a good shooter that it like yeah, he very very willing to be fine. a complimentary star. Yeah, he's he's very willing. But Harden is not. He just came out and said that he is he the is system. The, yeah, yeah. And and I'm not gonna be that guy. I'm not gonna you know because because prime Harden. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah, you were the system, but you you are not in your prime anymore, my man. So if you come into the training facility telling Kawhi to take a fucking back seat, ooh, ooh, not gonna. Both go guys well, who yeah. don't work very well without the ball in their hands, you're gonna have to stay engaged somehow. So if I'm looking at this from like an objective standpoint, if I'm Paul George, I'm like, great, we 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 got upgraded in terms of our star power, but now how do we function as a team? Like how how do we click? Because I'm a hypocrite. I hated Russ. I, I really said that he was dookie butthole. He actually synergized really well with because him and PG have like this weird brotherhood. Like since mm-hmm. his time in OKC, it like boom, it's like a butterfly. It flows. It's beautiful. It's majestic. It kind of feels like this is a weird like, hey, let's replace the guy who was kind of moving the rock with the guy who's not going to move the rock and has just thrown a bitch fit for the past 48 months. Like, right. I don't care about the 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 top end talent. It's just like I got to see this work for more than thirty five games, and you don't you don't got a lot of run up time with with the load management to to have that kind of click. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about Russ's role because, like you said, he's been pretty good for the Clippers. Like he's fit in very well. And like I went from when he was on the Lakers, like I was like, this guy is not going to be in the league much longer. Like he simply cannot play yeah. wing basketball. He's able. He's been able to channel it uh, much more than I would have expected with the Clippers so far. But now, like. Like you said, he's not going to be in their best lineups. He's not going to be closing games for them, I wouldn't think. And like, how does that affect the way he plays? You know, if he gets demoted to a bench role, does that change the way that he plays? Does he start chasing stats? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's huge risk here for the Clippers. But on the one hand, like I, I think it's going to help in the regular season. This is the biggest thing, like on the pro side of them trading for Harden, is that they have a much higher chance of getting a top four seed or a top six seed uh, now with Harden in the fold oh, yeah. compared to oh. without him. Which is huge if you're the the Clippers because I think they maybe more than any other team are desperately looking to avoid the play in this season. So Harden will definitely help with that. But yeah, I mean, I mean we're, we're gonna have to see it if we do see it. But how all of these guys come together and how Ty Lue is able to maximize it, it is not gonna be easy. Yeah, I like personally speaking, to really find the gel. Like I think they're gonna lose a not not to say like be a negative person about it. But I think they're going to drop a lot of games early on mm-hmm. just figuring out how they mesh. Like, to put it into perspective, Russ, strictly from an on-paper standpoint, was putting up 15-7-7 seven, and seven, efficiently 
while also shooting 39% from three for the Clippers combined from last year and this year. Like It's only been five games, but still. Collectively, within 30 games, that's how he's been performing. So to then shift the guy who was kind of actually striving as like a cohesive piece to the bench, not in the closing lineup, and then bring in a guy, and I'm not going to bring up Harden's prolific gravity. I will just bring up the fact that We've seen the hypothetical of can he buy into being an off-ball guy or can he be engaged when the rock's not in his hands? How many years in a row have we heard that kind of weird fallacy? All of them. All, how and many it years hasn't, have been in the league? Exactly. And it hasn't actually worked. And I'll, I'll give him credit. In 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 recent times of watching like Brooklyn games, he's been kind of more steady as like a guy who distributes. Like cuz he's one of one of the best passers that we've seen in a long time when he's like in that playmaking mode, Mm -hmm. but he's also to see a guy who's so sophisticated with solving problems real time, just make like weird, stupid mistakes at like really weird peak moments in a, in a team where you already kind of had like a, what the hell is going on kind of synergy. Like I, I honestly, like I can't wait to see like 40 games in when people say, was trading for Harden a mistake? Were the Clippers <laughs> fine where they were before? Like, I can't wait to see Shams be like, you know, you know, I've always been an advocate for, uh, you know, Russ. I love, I love my guy. Uh, I think he was, he was the answer. You know, <laughs> I hate how right you are. <laughs> That's what it's going to take forty games for people to. Either I'll tell go, you what, though. I'll tell you what, though. They were not good enough to not trade for Harden. I, I watched that team in the first few games of the season. Not good enough. So I understand why they made this trade. Um, it, it more than likely doesn't push them over any sort of hump, but like this team was not good enough as is. So this trade does make them better. It, it makes sense. I will give them that to flip to the Sixers though. You know, yeah, decent haul given the circumstances, but the issue now becomes, what do you do with those assets? Because I like Kmart jr. As well. I, I think Rocco's pretty good. I still think Nick Batum is a solid NBA player, but the Sixers aren't doing anything with the roster as currently constructed. So they're going to have to use those assets. I think they have three first round picks that they're, they can trade this season or four, if they wait until the summer, who are they going to go after? Like, I, I just don't see, like, I know Zach Levine has been rumored. I guess I don't love that fit him and Maxi together. They, they need, in my opinion, a, a wing player that they can go out and get and be their, their third guy next to Maxi. This is where Raptors fan Mitch comes in. Cause you know, I'm about to talk about OG. Um, but outside of him, like I just don't really see who makes sense for them. Do you see any targets out there they can go after? I actually now, okay from a from a stylistic standpoint, okay, yes, OG makes the most sense. OG makes perfect sense. Yeah, he he literally is like the perfect. You can you can plug him into any of like the two to four like whatever you want to swing him at. He's gonna be a fantastic shooter next to Maxine and Embiid, he's going to be automatically the second best defender on that team, if not, like, the solidified best defender oh, on that yeah, team. Oh, yeah, no. Who's, who are you even referring to as second? Joel Embiid? Well, well, just in terms of, like, I know I know Joel, as much as people have been like, oh, yeah, he swallows shit up in the paint. It's like, not in the most recent years. No. So, like, this I would say... Thing. To go on a quick side tangent about Embiid's defense, he provides value in the sense that, like, he's fucking huge. So when he's standing in the paint, guys don't really want to drive to he's the rim as often. He's a deterrent. Right. He's a deterrent. Not actual, just, yeah. But not not a deterrent because he's a elitely skilled rim protector. He's just a huge guy who can block some shots. Like, I don't feel like def- like his talent level on the defensive end is all that. Like, he's not that good on defense. He just provides rim protection because he's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Just quick side tangent because I feel like people refer to Embiid as like an all-defense candidate or like this really good defender. He's not. Ooh. 
Yeah, he's not, fine. It's not like he's making he's not making the Sixers worse. Of course not. But outside of just being a good rebounder and someone who can deter people from going to the rim, he doesn't really provide much value on defense. He's not he's not switching out. He's not locking people down in the post. He's not playing passing lanes. Like we're just talking about talent, like the skill level. I feel like Jokic provides more on defense. Now, of course, he has his limitations protecting the rim, which you could argue is much more valuable as a center. But yeah, the point being, Embiid is is overrated defensively. OG would by and far be the best defender on that team. So OG makes the most sense stylistically, but I think there's two candidates that people are kind of not paying attention to because OG just makes way more sense. Yeah. Now the first one, I know you're going to love this, mm. is since the direction of Portland is so wishy-washy, Jeremy Grant might actually be hmm. like a potential solution for them. Now, do I think Jeremy Grant's worth two firsts? No, I do not. No, it's not with the contract. Maybe, maybe if he was on like a more team friendly deal, but he just signed a five for one sixty deal, and I believe yeah. it's fully guaranteed, if I'm not mistaken. So, oh, it it is. I think there is a kicker too, but I think it is fully guaranteed. Oh, good lord, wouldn't now, that be hilarious though? As soon as Tobias is on an expiring, they trade for Jeremy Grant on this massive <laughs> deal. Holy shit, would I love that? I think genuinely Jeremy Grant would fill that spot, but I, I think there's low key. I think there's a low key one that's very unlikely, but I think this would be such a nice, like smooth, buttery, cohesive fit next to a guy like Maxi. Now, if if the Pelicans oh. can cannot be consistent, I actually think CJ might fit really fucking well on this really? Philly squad. I think now, so you thought I was gonna say Ingram. Yeah, yeah, I was ready for him. I I think CJ because he's come out of the gate and been and now 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 hold on. Hold on before I say this, I want to preface that I'm I'm a homer because CJ's on my fantasy team, but he has come <laughs> out and been legitimately the best offensive player for New Orleans five games in. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yes, yes. Zion has been also a delicious, delectable beast. Ingram has like about Zion in a second. Go ahead. <laughs> Ingram has weirdly like I, I don't want to say plateaued as a player, but it, it feels like he's become stagnant in terms of what I expected of him. Versus what he actually is like bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't know if he's like fully healthy, like in terms of something he's, seems he's, off, right? He's day to day and he's been day to day for a while. Like he's only played two or three games. But even going back to the summer, how bad he was for Team USA, something just feels off. I don't know if it's a confidence issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a like yeah, like like he's only played two games this season. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's 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 roll roll it all the way back to 2019 to 20 when he's made his first All Star appearance. So that season with New Orleans, like I, for the stat checkers out there, I, I, this is only off the top of my head, but I think he was a like 24 five and five guy. I have it and in I front of me. He, he was 24 six and four. 24 six and four, and I think he was nearly 40 percent from three. Uh, I think I think he 39 percent on yeah, over he six was, attempts. Yep, he was a ludicrously Very efficient high. shooter really well and it, it felt like he was doing like all those mini kd comparisons like watching him visually it was like oh yeah this guy's got right. the bag yeah and then the next two years it was like it was like almost like a like a, a kind of a trickle in a line graft he he was like worse sufficiently efficiency wise he didn't score as much even though marginally and then last year right when he was kind of like picking up and then he had the injury or like the years prior 22 to like 21 yep. to 22 it was really weird seeing him come back and and look like more stiff, didn't look like he was as comfortable. And then, oh man, Team USA was rough to watch. Yeah, like, like Austin Reeves was 
outperforming Brandon Ingram on a consistent basis. I mean, well, maybe I'd I'm going to say I'll, I I like you can hesitate on that, but I'll say it just because. No, 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 no. You're right about the Reeves part. I was going to hesitate to say was Brandon Ingram the worst player of the 12 for Team USA? What? That's no. probably harsh, right? It's probably pretty strong. It's pretty strong. But like that shouldn't even be a debate. Like I shouldn't even be able to make that statement. And yet I can say it out loud and not sound crazy because he was bad. He got benched. And the thing is, I can't even really make an argument against it without right. having a bunch of like, uh, like three turnovers and terrible shooting splits and fucking throwing the ball away consistently. And no, de- first of all, uh, literally an absent defender, like, like quite oh. literally just not engaged or involved in anything maybe a change of like i don't want to say a change of scenery is what he needs or some new life but you know if i'm if i'm philly and i really like if cj's like no god me and zion are about to about to rip this shit up and new orleans is like damn ingram is just not doing what we thought he would you know maybe that's an option i don't know i'm just to to, to go back to my whole cj point CJ has looked so good and Ingram has looked so inconsistent that like who's the second best player on the Pelicans right now? It's it's CJ. It's CJ. I think it's CJ. Yeah. And I don't think Ingram is in a position where he can like really he, he looks out of rhythm, he looks out of sync and something's off and I want to sit down with him and be like, "Hey buddy, is everything okay at home?" <laughs> well, he's got to get healthy. Let's see. Let's give it maybe another month see if he can stay on the court consistently and see what that does for him. Um, but uh, yeah, I am starting to get a little concerned because I would say maybe about a year ago, 18 months ago, I was super high on Brendan Ingram's potential, thinking that he was, you know, on the path towards superstardom. And now I'm worried about him. So we'll see. Uh, to go back to your CJ point, though, my only concern is like, besides maybe just being like an overall steadier presence, what does he bring in the Sixers that they don't have right now with Maxi? Well, I think in terms of like, so pace is a big thing for yeah. for the Sixers. Maxi is such like a zero to 70 player like bang bang bing bang boom i think in a weird like comparative point of view if you had a player who's a little more methodical in terms of creating space and breaking down the d rather than just pushing transition consistently because mm-hmm. like maxi's handle and I, i'm a bit of a hypocrite because i've always been in the mindset of maxi of his speed and his explosiveness kind of make up for some of the intangibles that you know like he's in he's in a good position a lot of the times, but he gambles a lot too, which puts him kind of in like a like I've seen him in most recently some no man land clips where I'm just like, what that would have been a steal if you had like waited a beat or mm-hmm. if you, you know, kind of didn't jump the gun. And same thing for transition offense, where he'll be looking not to say that he's not a very good transition score, but sometimes he'll be looking a little too much for his own shot. And right into the teeth of someone, and it's just like that's totally fair. Yeah, if, if you had waited a beat or passed that off like a second earlier, you'd have been fine. So I think somebody who takes a little bit more pressure off of, like, like because DeAnthony Melton as as your secondary ball hander is not is not bad by any means. Not I ideal though, Melton, but it's not ideal. So I think CJ as an upgrade to that it just kind of makes sense stylistically. Not that it's obviously the best fit because I think OG would would be the best fit. Yeah, but um. Like I just like CJ next to a guy like Maxi, where, you know, it's like not not to not to compare the crazy athleticism and burst to Zion, but CJ's already used to a guy who's so mm-hmm. up and down, consistently taking off that this would just have the guard version of that. Fair, yeah, I I think um it would be fun for sure, and like not that they 
like their play styles are very different, but I feel like the skill sets are similar to where they can't really afford to give up the few assets that they have left to go and get a guy like that. You know, yeah. I think if CJ McCollum was just theoretically on the team, like I think it would be a lot of fun, but I don't think they can give up multiple first and, or, you know, whatever players it would take to go get CJ because they really only have one swing at this. They, they can go out and get one guy to go pair with Maxine and bead. And I don't think CJ is that guy. True. That's understandable. So Masai, if uh, Maury hits you up, make sure you get Martin and three picks for him. Please. Yeah, that's probably what he's going to ask because I mean they wouldn't they wouldn't do it for three picks last year. So I just I'm I'm nervous to see because like first of all, if Philly gets OG, that's dangerous. Love me some Corkmaz, love me some Toby, but like neither of those guys are crazy lockdown wing defenders. <laughs> so maybe we could free Corkmaz actually. Maybe I mean he's been trying, no, he, man. He's been trying uh... <laughs> for five years now, and they will not let maybe, him leave. Maybe they can throw him in for us, and we'd be like, we understand, we gotcha. <laughs> Um, I don't think I've seen a funnier tweet all season than I don't remember who it was, but whoever tweeted out that uh, Furkan Korkmaz requested to be tr- like included in the Harden trade, and both the and, they told him, and Clippers no, no. said no. no, 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 son, sit down. It's like, <laughs> well, I just want to be on this fucking team. It's been fine. I've never seen a player be on a team for so long and not want to be there while also not getting any minutes. That's the other thing too. It's not like I know if they were playing him to get his like value up, <laughs> just burying great, him but... on the bench, just refusing to give him any opportunity. Not that he like is deserving of like a starting role, but it's just so funny to me. He's been trying to get out of there for so long. Oh, I don't man. know. I don't know what his uh, <laughs> like like because he's also he's buried behind. Now he's buried behind Rocco Batum and Morris. Like he's oh, literally yeah, no, he's like cooked. so no, far he, down he's, the list. He's about as cooked as he's ever been, as far as the rotation goes. Yeah, so poor times, you, rough times to be for. I don't know, I don't know how you you salvage this as my poor boy, <laughs> but I will say, I will say, if if the lineup ends up being. Maxi, Melton, OG, Toby, and Embiid. I, I I fuck with that lineup a lot. That's cool. They won like forty six games. Get bounced in the second round. <laughs> Damn. You know, I mean, it's the Sixers. Like, let's be real. I hate to be negative, but <laughs> when it comes to the Sixers, I actually don't hate to be negative. Who am I kidding? <sighs> um, but all right, let's wrap up. Uh, let's wrap up the Harden talk with one quick question I have for you here. So, like, how do you think this ultimately goes down for the Sixers? Basically, I, I want to ask it like this: What do you think is more likely? Embiid, as a member of the 76ers, makes the conference finals or he gets traded. What do you think is more likely or will happen first? The more like <laughs> this is the haters about to come out in me. <laughs> I think the more likely scenario is that they get bounced and he finally realizes that everything that's culminated into the, the process and trusting it has been nothing more than short of a Eastern Conference final appearance when he had Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I mean, that I, was a second round exit too. Oh yeah, sorry, second round. Like, I think like, but that, that was, I think that was the peak of the team. If I'm, being yeah, honest. no, that was like, definitely like their best shot for sure. I, I think if Embiid really like, you know, like he did that Aaron Rodgers type of retreat where he goes into uh, a shadowy cave and thinks about ayahuasca it, for four days or whatever the fuck was going on. I think he will come to the conclusion that this Sixers team is not getting him a championship. No, and I think that it's going to be too little too late for him to really find a position around the league that will completely like rejuvenate and build around him. Because if he were to be traded, I've seen the New York one bounced around and I thought that was hilarious. Cause like, that's oh, just, I, I want to like, see that. That seems like such a Joel Embiid kind of move. Exactly. Joe. I want to see he's that. Just I think like, it makes a lot of sense. Where he's like, yeah, you know what the answer is going to be? The answer wasn't Maxi and Harden. The answer was quickly. Quickly is my save. Quickly and RJ Barrett. Nah, Let's go. I, 
I like it. I, I like the idea of Embiid going to the Heat or the Knicks. I, it just like sounds fun to me, just as like a general NBA fan. I just feel like that would be kind of cool. Not that like I don't know. Like, would it really be that much better of a situation for Embiid? Maybe I don't know, but it'd be fun. I, I think it'd be fun to see him in like stay in like a big market. You know what I mean? For one, yeah, yeah. But also, like I don't know. Like the Knicks and here both have guys. It's not like those are just two like inept franchises. So. Yeah, I, I would be with you. I think that it's definitely a higher chance to request a trade because I don't see how as is or even with like even with an OG and an OB, I don't really see how the Sixers get to the conference finals. No, that's a that's a clinic that uh, Derek White and Holiday have on uh, Maxi. So if it comes down to a OG on Tatum, yeah, you I'm know, with all the respect. Love my boy. But uh, I think Tatum's not that. Yeah, I think, I think Tatum second. edges him out in that one. Not gonna lie. A little bit, maybe, maybe marginally. <laughs> but like they don't, and and even in that instance, it's not like they necessarily match up extremely well with the Bucks either. Right. Um. You throw OG on Dame, and then you kind of pray to God that Embiid contains Giannis, but remember the series that we've seen a million fucking mm-hmm. times like Nick nurse, you know, as a coach. Yeah. Technically I think he can unlock a little bit more in terms of this Philly scheme, but now that you've essentially lost Harden, which I think nurse was like kind of banking on him to be there like long-term. Mm-hmm. I don't even know, you know, out of spite, maybe Masai doesn't even fucking worry about like he looks at, he looks at more and he goes, nah, <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. You are not getting any of my players. I wouldn't even give you Boucher for those first fucking like it's, it would be it's a really weird situation. Behavior. Yeah, no, because I think I think he'd be like he'd be like, so you want me to give you my best defender and to my old coach that left on like really bad terms? Uh yeah, no. I think I'm good. I'll just I don't I don't, I don't think so. I'll I'll go get fucking Nate Smith and somebody from Indy and call it a day. Yeah, that's some shit Masai would do though. But I think uh I think we can wrap up the Harden talk now. Clippers, they were all in already, so they just said, fuck it, why not? And for the Sixers, I mean, it's more of a wait and see. Like, if they can go OG, I'll be a little bit excited, I guess, just to see how it works. But ultimately, I think uh, this is just the beginning of the end for this whole core. I think Embiid's, if not uh, by the deadline, probably the summer is going to ask out, is my guess. I hope to God that it is the next one. That would be such a fun team to watch. Like Brunson would be like, oh my god, I don't have to lob it up to Randall anymore. Let's go, <laughs> let's fucking go. Oh, what a time that would be! Yeah, no, Brunson. Julius, we'll talk about Julius Randall in a second. Let's take a quick break, and then uh, we're gonna talk about the in-season tournament and uh, how that's going after after one night of action. And then we'll get to we're gonna bounce around the league a little bit after that. We got plenty to talk about. Hell yeah! All right, coming back, let's talk about the in-season tournament. Yesterday was day one of the inaugural in-season tournament for the NBA, and I was I was I was pleasantly surprised. I would say I thought it was um, a night of really good basketball. I will say off the bat though, the courts an absolute fucking monstrosity. Those fucking things were a nightmare. Atrocious. I don't know who 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 allowed and and when they allowed for these franchises to just start playing my team and just use colored hardwood. It looks terrible. That indie court last night, the Indiana court last night, was an absolute headache on my TV screen. Indy city jerseys are terrible. Indy's court's terrible. Like, I'm sorry. The in-season, first of all, love the idea. Whoever let the intern cook, ah, get that. Oh, my God. Get him out out the kitchen. I will say, like, I was watching 
the Knicks Bucks game and like the Bucks just have like a green stripe down the middle. I thought that looked kind of cool. And then like the paint being like the trophy that they unveiled, whatever. Like, okay, I like that, whatever. But yeah, Indy's all blue court or like Miami had an all red one. The Celtics have an all green one. What a disaster. What an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Who signed off on that one? My God. It's so bad. I'm interested to see kind of like the low key ones because Toronto's is going to be uh, like the charcoal and gold. Yeah, that'll um, be cool. Apparently, I I think I saw Utah's is going to be the the like the the lavender and gold. Okay, so that one seems interesting, but but the, just bright ass royal yeah, blue with white lines. Oh and my god! And the, <laughs> Indy's like, let's just put fucking Indy and spray paint right in the middle, yeah, and then Jesus yellow Christ. everywhere. Just did the Mavericks everywhere. did the Mavericks not get enough heat when they had similar jerseys a few years back? Because those were disgusting. I will give the Pacers credit that this one like makes a little bit more sense and it's a little bit better. But it's essentially that Mavs jersey from a few years ago that was just absolutely horrid. Yeah, and people clowned on that one. So I yeah, don't so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what they were doing. I will say though, like I'm coming off so strong negatively, but like I am in. I I do like this season season tournament. I do hope that it you know it builds some momentum, um, because you know it's just it's just fun, right? Like it's just we're adding stakes to basketball games. I like yeah. basketball. You like basketball. Let's just enjoy basketball, right? So I'm in favor of them trying new things and all of that, but not off to a great start with the courts because that, that is just just a headache it's just headache inducing it's just not good even like I, even when i play my team and i'll go against the guys who got like those crazy galaxy court designs or whatever i'm like this is hard to play on yeah it's like it's, it's it's like i i understand that maybe in person it might be a little different but from a fucking screen yeah on a screen which is it where, hurts my eyes man that's 99 of the viewing part there's only a few thousand people in the stadium you got a lot more people watching at home and it doesn't look good it's yeah. not good but the basketball was good we saw some really good games last night uh, a lot yeah. of games came down to the wire okc versus golden state that was a great game um bucks Knicks came down to the wire as well a lot of good basketball i think that um think that it will help the product in the regular season because just inherently i think when you add stakes to something like guys are just gonna care even if, like, to the media, they might say, oh, whatever. Like, Bones Highland tried to act like he didn't even know what, that the in-season tournament was going on. Like, yeah, okay, he's but... more concerned he just lost his backup job. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, <laughs> he just got demoted on the, on the depth chart, I guess. But I don't know. I, I think inherently guys are just going to try harder because they, they know that there's something on the line. And even you might say, like, okay, 500K, like, that's one game check for a guy that makes a max contract. But ultimately, I think you put stakes on something and – these guys are competitive. Like you don't get to the NBA without just being a competitive guy. And so I, I think we're going to see like some higher quality basketball for these games. Yeah. I think the guys who are realizing that this is like a welcome thing, like cause there's a bunch of players around the league that like when, <clears throat> when it was announced, like there was a couple, a couple boys on the uh, JJ Reddick podcast mm-hmm. that were like, man, you're about to see some dudes come out of the gates, like just angry and aggressive that they have yeah. before. Cause it's like, for some dudes, it's just like, you know, 500k, whatever. But for some people, it's like, damn, I'm about to on a on a national televised tournament. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sun you. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Like, there's, I, I get, I get what Halliburton was saying too, where he's like, oh, it should be, should guarantee you. Uh, a yeah, spot. we'll 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 get to that in a second. Yeah, because because like there's some there's some things that they should dangle as rewards, but right. I think for right now it's in a good spot. Yeah, I think it's it's gonna take time. Like, they're just gonna have to see how it plays out in order to see like how it can be tweaked. But there are definitely some things in my mind that they can do to improve it for next season. Namely, I think just just pushing it back a little bit. Like, I don't know about you, but like, 
I still feel like we're in the very early going of the season. Like I still have the like, oh, the NBA is back, like excitement. Like I'm getting into the routine yeah. of basketball oh, being yeah. on oh, every yeah. night. And like I'm still like I still haven't watched all 30 teams yet and like tuned in and really like got to see everything. So like there's still a lot of excitement for me for like checking out uh teams with new coaches, with new players on the team, like seeing how everything meshes, you know, like there's still a lot going on that I have to get reacclimated to where I feel like we don't need the in-season tournament to be starting right now. And then no, like, I, I feel on like the other end of it down the road, on the other end of it, like the, the final game takes place December 9th. Then we have four more months after that game until the start of the playoffs. So if the whole point of this in-season tournament is to like spice up the regular season and keep fans and players engaged and interested throughout the entirety of the season, this is not going to do that because we still have four months between when it ends and when the playoffs start. So that's that's like my biggest thing that I think they need to tweak for next year. I think if they pushed it to like maybe right before or maybe right after Christmas, I think that makes the most sense. Because then say you start it right after Christmas, you say January 1st or whatever. That like January up until mid-February where the All-Star break is, like that's like the biggest dead period, in my opinion, in the NBA season. So I think that makes the most sense. You still have enough momentum with like the early going of the season and then obviously that Christmas day where fans are interested. But I think that we're going to get past this and then we're going to be like, oh, shit, we still got a long ways to go until the playoffs. I'm worried what they're going to do is they're going to take the the data from how successful this was and and use that because right now it's inflated because like you said it's the early goings of the season yes, people are the excited first, the basketball's back it's also so, the first time course, they're doing it yeah of course people are going to tune in i'm i'm worrying that they're going to take the viewership mm-hmm. and think we should just do the exact same thing next yeah. year and watch yeah. it bomb because people are like okay why is this happening in the first months of the season like right yeah there's obviously going to be excitement because it's new it's it's they're doing it for the first time but yeah i think you're right i am worried that it's going to be successful to the point where they think that they don't need to change it yeah if i was in charge of analytics and the director of that for the nba i would take everything that happens right now in the in-season tournament as a huge grain of salt i would change it next year to the mid-season tournament Mm. and not mid as in terrible, mid as in <laughs> mid season, because that's what that's when you see the most dip in viewership is the 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 post all star break where everybody's like, cool, we watched the most fantastic game and the dunk contest and the three point contest and the rookies play and the skills comp, yeah, and then there's like a dip, right? Yeah. So why not supplement that dip with a mid season tournament? I understand that some guys were like, well, it's our time to go home and have fun. It's like, well, then guess what? You select. Do you could do a whole bunch of different things. You could do like the three v three blacktop style, where you select your three best pure hoopers and send them out there to do a tournament style. You could do just you know your your two way affiliates or your young guy, anything like that. You could do anything like that. Guys that missed the cut for the All Star game, guys that missed the cut for the rookie game, guys who just really want to get out there and compete, guys who are on ex- exhibit contracts. You could do so many different things to do. I get it. It's the it's the first first tournament. You're feeling it out. Just don't take it at face value right now. Take it with yeah. a little bit of grain of salt. Yeah, we'll give them some time and, and, and see, you know, how it all plays out. But yeah, I, I would I, I've definitely skipped now that you brought it up, I hadn't even really thought about that. But now that you mentioned it, yeah, I'm very concerned that like if this is successful, that they aren't gonna change anything. Because Which would it, be a bad business practice, by the right. but the NBA is known to be like, we'll we'll do it till it runs in. I mean exactly. most sports franchises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The NBA is not unique in that sense. You're right. But to go back to Tyrus Halliburton's point that um, he thinks that a team that wins the in-season tournament should get an automatic playoff bid. I think it sounds like a nice idea when you just say it out loud, but think it out for a couple minutes here, if you will. Let's say the Miami Heat win the in-season tournament. 
what is to stop Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler from just wiping their hands off and saying, all right, see you in April. I get that Jimmy wouldn't just rest the whole season because you wouldn't want to just stop playing basketball for months at a time and then gear back up. But like, there's too much like, like if LeBron, if the Lakers win and LeBron gets to just coast, the NBA can't have that. You know, like that's, it's too much of an incentive where it actually would then devalue the rest of the regular season. Because if that team just doesn't necessarily have to try the rest of the way, that just goes against the whole reason why they implemented this, at least according to what they're saying. So I don't really think that works as an idea, but I would really like to see the NBA find a way to add a non-financial incentive because the 500K is cool, but why do me and you care about that? Outside of just we get better basketball because of it, why do I care that Jason Tatum might win 500K if he wins this game? You know, like it's just lacking that sort of incentive for the fans really to, to give it meaning. If they can figure that piece of it out, then I love this idea. I think this is here to stay and it'll be a really nice addition to the NBA calendar. But it's been my biggest critique this whole time, ever since Adam Silver suggested it a few years ago, is that outside of just giving the guys money and just telling people that this cup matters, there's no incentive for the fans to really give any more of a fuck than they do for a regular December, regular season game. Yeah, especially in this instance where, you know, it, some people raise good points. It's like for max contract level guys. I, I know it's hypocritical to be like, oh, they play for money. But so like the financial incentive, that doesn't move the needle for a lot of guys. Not at I would all. say I think it's like maybe more than you might think, because like even a max contract, like, like to get an extra game check just on top of what you're already making. Like, I feel like that's that's decent motivation. But to and go you're talking as about hard a guy, as they want you to for the midseason. Maybe. But think about how many guys are on a max contract, like 15 percent of the NBA, 10 percent of the NBA. True, true. I mean, like. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, 500K might mean more to like some certain players then. I just mean in the sense that it's like. Peyton Pritchard wants that 500K. I'll tell you that. He would do it. That would be. (laughs) He would would kill a man for that. Yeah, that would. would, I mean, yeah, that would be a huge amount of money for even someone like Peyton Pritchard or anyone who's not making like max contract type money. So, yeah, I, I do. Like, I think it makes sense to have the financial incentive. Don't get me wrong, but there needs to be something else that makes that gives it like real value the cup itself like winning it needs to get you something or like even just like if they find a way to like like for example if they do push it back like a month the start of it or whatever using the regular season games leading up to it and incorporating that into like sort of the seating because i know for this first pool poll that they did or whatever to determine the groups uh it was based off of last season's record and i assume that's what they're going to stick with going forward but i'd like to see just some sort of something where there's like year over year uh, importance to it you know what i mean so it kind of like builds on itself i feel like that would make sense i, don't, I haven't quite worked it out all the way but i just feel like they, they need to just over time just find more ways to make it mean more just just add more incentives over time but i don't like the playoff one because i think for whatever team gets the automatic playoff bid for one how does that work because let's just say you win the in season and you automatically get at least the eight seed and then you end up in the actual standings as the 12 seed. Are we just kicking the 10 seed out now because you get to just leapfrog four spots? That doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, when they grit and grinded for it, and then you're just going to hit them with the, yeah, go fuck yourself. You're yeah, now right. going to be delegated. Or to also reason. versus, okay, yeah, you automatically get at least the eight seed, but let's say they earned the three seed anyway. Then they just get nothing. 
because they would have got the three seed. So it just doesn't really make sense to do it that way. Um, but I, I like at least Halliburton's thinking of like, we need to add more incentives. Yeah. That, that, that isn't some, just like some money. reason to grind kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Something that they're like playing for and trying to earn outside of just an extra game check. But overall, I mean, I, I have to say like my initial, like I was, you know, pushing back against it at first when Adam Silver started talking about it just because it's changed and like, it's kind of like for what, like why other than just money, like why? Which is still my issue with it, to be fair. But I, I'm warming up to the idea. Um, I don't really think it hurts because it's just regular season games anyway. Like you're only adding one singular game to the NBA schedule. It's like why not? You know, like it, it doesn't. It doesn't really hurt. You know, we're not we're not doing anything that's that's hurting the product. So I, I'm for it. I'm in support of it. But I do think that over time they gotta there's changes to be made, improvements, tweaks. You know, anything else you want to add about the in season tournament? I just wanted to get that off my chest a little bit. No, I think. I think it's just a matter of them needing to figure out where like that uh where where the sweet spot lies for the reward because it is still very um Yeah, cuz I don't I don't think draft pick is is the answer either because No, not like not opening up Why is Zach Levine spot. motivated by getting playing like someone that's going to like someone yeah, yes, yeah, playing with an 18-year-old or like why is why is Kobe White excited about helping the team draft his replacement? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like players don't care about draft picks. Maybe a little bit. Like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like that's the answer either. The only guys that should really care about draft picks are guys like, you know, Wembenyama and Bancaro were like, yeah. they're the face of the franchise, but they understand that, you know, bringing in more, more youth yeah. for your timeline would right. make more sense. It doesn't make sense if you're a guy like, you know, like say you're Shea, right? And you're like, uh yeah why do I, we need I, another yeah it's like he's like i don't need a, another 18 yeah, year old to join me on fuck. this team like yeah so that doesn't really make sense either and i don't know i just i haven't been able to come up with anything nor have i heard anyone say anything that that would, would make, make sense, as, sense. Incentive, as a non-financial incentive i haven't heard a good answer yet but maybe we'll get there one day i don't know um i think we're off to a decent start so far i, th- I think it'll be pretty cool to see how it goes just for the first time like even if this only lasts like a couple of years, I think it'll just be a cool little experiment and yeah, maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe they just get rid of it and we just move on and we say, Hey, remember when they added a tournament to the middle of the regular season, but either way, I think it's a worthwhile experiment. They're trying things. Um, the, the NBA regular season definitely needed like a refresh revamp sort of thing. So I'm glad they're at the very least trying something at the end of the day. Like I don't always love what the NBA decides to do with these things, but at least they're, at least they'll try things. You know what I mean? Like I feel like, the MLB yeah. this past season finally had a huge revamp of their game because they desperately needed it. But like you don't generally see leagues make sweeping changes like this. And the NBA has been willing to change things. I mean, they just changed the all-star format again. They just decided, actually, we're going to go back to East-West. Fuck it. They just do things like that. And I, I at least can respect them for being willing to try things. I understand like <laughs> being complacent as if you're like a very successful league. But the problem is, is that the landscape of you know consuming sports media... And just in general, like any type of media, people are they want more flash and more flick and more mm-hmm. up in your face about it. So if you're a complacent league, like the MLB finally came around and was like, okay, there there needs to be some sort of either rule change or meticulous change that gets people excited because they were on the downswing of viewership. Yeah. So it's like if you are just gonna stand there and let your viewership dwindle and not change anything, then it's like you you are the only person to blame for your right. not having success at that point. Right. So I think I think the NBA doing this is like they're they peeped into the window of the future and they were like, okay, let's let's get ahead of the curve before we have to worry about trying to scrounge for viewership. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Yeah. So I like they're they're just they're trying things, but they need to stop trying with the crazy courts because those really suck. Yeah. No. There's, there's there's trying something and then there's whiffing. Uh, yeah. And then there's just issues. giving me a headache as I try to enjoy your product. That's <laughs> we just can't have that. But uh, all right, let's uh let's bounce around a little bit now. Just go around the league. I mean, this is like the first real episode I've done um, since the start of the season. So let's get some takes off. What what have you been seeing? I am proud to say. That Scotty Barnes, his year three leap has finally, finally manifested into what people looking thought good. it was going to be. Good. He is putting up, as of today, 21 points, six assists, 10 rebounds, 39% from three, while launching five of them a game, and 58% from the field. Mm. My boy, Scotty. The five attempts from three is what stands out to me. Is is literally, his, his first of all, his jumper mechanically looks weirdly like... It's it's so before it was more of like a trebuchet motion where he slings it from over his shoulder. Yep. Now it 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 almost looks like a, a an actual like two piece jumper, where it's like his rise and then release. It's still not like a full like quickie flick, but like it now it actually looks like a real jumper. Um, what's even more astounding to me is now he's playing even harder on defense, and he, he genuinely looks or not genuinely looks like is the best player for the Raptors right now, like. He has been unequivocally the best defender on the floor, and OG is taking a little step back. It's a new system, so everybody's getting used to it. Mm -hmm. But what has also been a very fantastic surprise is Dennis Schroeder magically finding his jumper. Like, bro's shooting 50% from three, launching four and a half, which is not sustainable, but wowzers. It looks good. He's also averaging like 15 and 10, I think, or like nine assists, something weird like that. So, like, he's looked fantastic in Darko's system. It's awesome. So, my real question is, is, like, how much of this is, like, early season fallacy? And how much of it is, like, the Raptors' identity with Scotty at the helm might actually be, like, a, a legitimate threat if you if they decided to, like, blow it up kind of thing? Because my main thing is, is Pascal has looked uncomfortable, but that's because he's been out of, like, he was used to being the engine, and now he's not the engine. You kind of, yeah. you have to buy into more of a cohesive system. So, well, that might lead to more team success. Individually, he might suffer. So then the question is, is like, do they do they now trade OG yeah, do this. and yeah. Pascal? Or like, what is the move there? Like, I'm just, I'm very proud of Scotty. He's looked good. The the uh, one time where they gave Grady more than 20 minutes, he went for like 16, 6, and 4 or something. Like 60% from 3. Like he, he, he looked good in the extended run. So I'm very happy with how Toronto looks. It's just a matter of... Uh, you know, now that you're officially getting what you wanted out of Scotty, it's like, well, you're at a crossroads now. Do you do you like finally commit to blowing it all up? Do you stubbornly say, yeah, we'll finish the year off? Like, it's really weird. It's it's a really weird because it's like it's like bittersweet. You're like, man, I'm so excited for Scotty, and then in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, but a trade is gonna have to happen, whether it be December fifteenth, whether it be you know tomorrow, kind of thing. Yeah, the Raptors are in a weird spot. My my biggest takeaway from watching them so far is that they're just so inconsistent with, with their offense. Like if you just look at like their three point percentage game by game, it's like 51%, 28%, 47%, 19%. They're just so up and down. Yeah. And if they could just find some consistent shooting, then I think they're going to be a really solid squad. Like I've always felt like during this period of the Raptors, just kind of just disappointing, to be honest, I always felt like they've been better than what they've been able to produce, but just inconsistency on the offensive end. Like the three point shooting has always been so up and down. I feel like that's been the biggest issue with this team. Well, I mean, I guess you could say like last year, like the vibes were just terrible. 
like Nick Nurse had to go. That was probably a bigger issue. But yeah, um, yeah. the overall arching issue with this Raptors team post title has been, I think, just the inconsistent shooting. So and which is they, like, like right. honestly, like if if they were to figure out a lineup where, like, I think Gary Trent needs to be involved way more often instead of strictly off the bench. I think mm-hmm. you need to, like, in a perfect world. And I say this in a perfect world because it's whatever comes out of potentially trading OG or Siakam. But in a perfect world, you run like Gary Trent Jr. for 30 minutes a game. Like, like you, yeah. I think you can manage that and finally get the rhythm. Cause he was like a, he was a near 20 game guy last year. So it's like clearly he's got the ability to put the Brock in the basket. So unleash that. Yeah. He needs to be playing more. I didn't like on the one hand, I get it, but I don't, I kind of don't. Like, why is he not starting? Why is he not playing 30 minutes every single night? Just feel like, like, is he just so good that he has to be? No, like he he is like roughly the caliber of like a fifth starter, six man type of guy. But what he provides for Toronto is something they desperately need, and that's a shooting. So, and Grady Dick too, like you said, they gave him twenty minutes or over twenty minutes once, and he was hooping. So he needs to be getting more run as time goes on, which I'm sure he will. But yeah, they need to just find ways to just surround their guys with some spacing. That's all it really is, because Scotty Barnes, like you said, he's taking that leap. He's he's rounding out his game and. Siakam, I think he said he's been uncomfortable, but he hasn't looked like it doesn't look like he's regressed. It's clear that he just needs to readjust to his new role. Like you have you have a lot of talent. It's just a matter of um, letting them letting them cook by giving them some spacing. So if if Grady Dick can continue to earn more minutes and they start to let Gary Trent go loose a little bit. I don't know. I like the Raptors. Like I really like what they have, but it's just I don't always like what I see. Yeah, it it it's like an on paper thing should be better than yeah. what's actually happening. Right. And I, yeah, I feel like it's all there. And maybe it'll come together because Darko is supposed to be like a, an offensive mastermind. So we'll see what he's able to cook up as time goes on. But uh that's that's really like anytime I think about the Raptors, I'm just like, yeah, they're good. I just wish they shot the ball better. Yeah. That, that's like my thoughts on the Raptors, like for the past two years, basically. I, however, I would really love to get my Julius Randle takes off my chest because good lord. I don't know if you knew this, but um, Julius Randle is actually going on tour. I can read you the dates right here. So he'll be in Milwaukee. He'll be in Milwaukee on 520. He's headed to New York on 315. He's going to Cleveland on 514. He's headed to New Orleans on 415. And then he'll be in Atlanta on 410. Those are actually his his field goal splits in the five games. Yes, for those of you who are confused, Julius Randle is not a uh, folk singer. He is just a no, terribly just shooting tour dates. Yeah, he shot five <laughs> for twenty three for fifteen, five for fourteen, four for fifteen, four for ten. That's been his performance so far this season, uh, for a grand total of twenty seven point one percent from the field is Julius Randle shooting. So uh, we're in we're in the odd year, the on off year. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Julius Randle is actually only good every other season. And this is the other. This is not the good season. This is the bad season, clearly. So I think we can just expect him to just shit the bed the rest of the way, just based on the way things are going. No, I'm kidding. Um, in reality, like Julius Randle, he's just struggling. Like, just shots aren't falling. Like, he's pressing. He's even said as much himself. He just doesn't feel like he's in a rhythm. Um, so we'll give it some time. But, man, it's starting to leak into, like, the other aspects of his game. Like, I posted a clip on my story today of – him just walking up the court they're down two with less than a minute left julius or jalen brunson has to t- uh, force up a tough shot julius randall throws his arms up and literally walks up the court for the rest of the defensive <laughs> possession and allows them to get a game-winning layup it's it's getting pretty bad 
Like it's, it's, we're only five games in, but we're getting, or six games in, but we're getting to a point where I'm starting to get worried about the Knicks because I saw them as like a top four seed. I thought they were going to be a really, really strong regular season team. I had my questions about the playoffs, but I expected them to not dominate, but I expect them to really establish themselves as like one of the better teams in the East during the regular season. And right now that's not what I'm seeing. And a lot of that has to do with Julius Randle because Brunson's cooking. He put up 45 last night. Like he's doing his thing. I think RJ's been okay. He hasn't been like great, but he's like not what's to blame. I would say it's it's Julius Randle. He looks like a, he's back to like his black hole self. Yeah, there's been a lot of like, you know, it literally like you said, it's 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 almost like he just has reverted. And right when everybody was kind of changing the paradigm on Randle, when everybody was like, oh man, maybe he uh, maybe he has just like figured it out finally. Like Brunson has kind of unlocked what he is as a player. And he has started the season looking exactly the same as he did when everything was a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how to explain it other than it's like a very like disappointing thing to see because there's a part of me like where I was like, oh my god, like all NBA Randall, like he's he's actually like this guy, like he is him. He's actually playing like a guy that has shown flashes. Like remember when he's shown flashes on New Orleans? Like it was like, oh, okay, this guy can kind of cook. Yeah. And and I I assumed that this Knicks culture thing was going to continue for him. Uh you know, first year's a feel out, second year he looked really good and now it's like is is inconsistency just like part of his repertoire? Like is he's just going to continue to be bang or bust? And then I feel even worse for Brunson who has been like the pillar of consistency for them. Like I I don't know how to like if you're a Knicks fan, you got to you got to tell me a, how are you a Knicks fan? And B, uh, how does it feel to to watch this guy put horse blinders on and play every night? Like yeah, it's it's really ugly. And actually, I didn't realize I looked up RJ stats just to take a peek. He's actually he's hooping right now. Career high efficiency. He's putting up twenty one a game, which is also a career high. So he's been good. He's definitely not the problem here. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what to say about Randall. Like because I don't feel like he's playing differently. That's the thing. I don't I don't feel like he's. He's taking different types of shots or he's really acting any different. The shots just aren't falling. He just he looks like he's getting frustrated. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's it's nothing more than he's just on a cold streak to start the season and he'll turn things up as the season goes on. But I don't know, man. Sutton just tells me that we're just not going to get a good Julius Randle season. And if that's the case, I don't know, man. Like I'm thinking probably playing tournament for the Knicks, whereas I think I projected them to be the four seed or the five seed. I had them pretty high up there, too. Um I think I even had them in the Cavs like trading positions for wherever they would be. And it's funny because Brunson, like you said, he put up a 45 piece last night and it it felt so deflating to watch as he like, you know, the, you know, the meme of it's like uh, Atlas rolling the rock up the hill. That's exactly Sisyphus? what it was. Or Sisyphus. Yeah. rolling yeah, the yeah, rock yeah. Up the hill. It was literally like that for Brunson <laughs> and the Knicks. And I was like, this is ridiculous, man. Like, uh... I don't know how you, how do you, how do you manage that? Well, one yeah. must picture Sisyphus as happy. True. You're so <laughs> you're so deep and so. What is that? What is that? How are we supposed to picture Randall here? He's the. Is he, he's Randall the, actually. Randall actually is the boulder that is. He's the boulder himself. Down on Jalen Brunson. <laughs> Brunson's like, please, for the love of God, bro, do something. Hey, thirty-three percent just shooting. No, it could be worse. I I guess it could be thirty-two percent worse. I guess, but 
It could be the seven percent you're shooting that. Uh, I, was just, <laughs> I was just. Gonna, <laughs> I was just. Hey, bro up. had a thirteen zero assist ratio, one point two steals, and seven percent you're shooting. Chris one Paul, point on seven percent you're shooting is great. legend. But hey, I mean, if he's giving you the thirteen assists with no turnovers, and they won the game, so that's the now, should they have won the game? It was a very no, yeah, no, that... you know, should they have won? I, I don't know. I don't know. Ask DW about that one, but yeah, no, Chris Paul is. <laughs> He's in a weird spot here. Um, this is like such a unique situation for Chris Paul to be in, given like how the rest of his career has gone. Because that wasn't you. Who was it that I, I think it was? Uh, I think it was Josie when he was on. He was saying like every team that Chris Paul has gone to, they've gotten better, and that was his case for like why the he took the over on the and the Warriors wins. And I was like, yeah, that's true, but he's never come into a situation where they need him less or they need like such a smaller role from him compared to all of his other situations. And now, like, we're seeing that come to fruition where, like, he's going to score one point, but he's going to give you 13 assists and they're going to win. I've always been a firm believer of Chris Paul being a weird hybrid floor raiser because he, to me, has never been a guy where it's like he will uncap you and and put you into the echelon of unbeatable in the NBA. Mm -hmm. But he will damn well take a squad of fringe role players and and allow them to shine yeah he will absolutely make you competent no matter the circumstances yeah yeah and i've always respected that because like even like him and watching him and schroeder play on okc was hilarious because that okc team had no business doing the damage they did um and and it's it almost it's it's like a curse for chris paul at this point where he does so well in in an attempt to uh like legitimately contribute to winning it just doesn't like happen at the highest level it's it's just unfortunate yeah and i'll tell you what i don't think it's gonna happen this year either the warriors look pretty good to start the season but i'm not buying them yeah too bad big honey looks even better Jokic casually putting up 30 bomb trip dubs and oh we've been so de- we've been so desensitized to that stat line that we just look at it and go yep no that's what yeah that's no what we were, we were talking we were talking before we were recording like Jokic, I think it was 22, 8, and 5 on 7 of 9 or 8 of 10 shooting at the half. And I saw that and I was like, okay. Like, didn't feel the need to be like, oh my God, I need to see the rest of this. I was like, yeah, Jokic is playing tonight. Yep, that's happening. Okay. It's insane. He's he's ridiculous. He's It's just, it's unbelievable. It's just so, like, not that it's like, oh, it's so effortless, but it's just so casual. Like, he's not like, like I don't know, man. It's, just, it's so easy for him. He just shows up, clocks in. Triple double clocks out. It's amazing. And goes and bets on his horse races. Yeah, and he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't give two shits about anything else. So it really is funny though. It really is how like the best player and like who should be like the face of the NBA hardly gives a fuck. <laughs> like he just doesn't even really care about basketball that much. I think it's unheard of, in my opinion, to win the MVP, be better the next year, win the MVP, be better the next year, lose the MVP, be better the next year, <laughs> and then like he he like literally if you, if you look at Jokic's trend. It's it's uncanny how how little his game has like really altered between the years, but just how much of a substantial increase in kind of like general production there is. So like if you go from like the 2021 season where he put up like uh, 27, 8 and 10 or something like that. And then the next season he scores another point. He's more efficient. He hits more threes than he did the last year. He hits a higher percentage and he and then he averages legitimately 
more rebounds and slightly less assists. Then the year after that, he does better across yeah, the board. Slightly less assists because he was playing with Facundo Campazzo. That's of what I mean. Murray. And then and then you go to the next year. He takes a step back in scoring, but is way more efficient, mm-hmm. has way more production across the board in terms of winning. And then you go to this year, and then he's putting up a light 27, 12, 8, shooting a blistering 40% from three, like 70% from two. Like this dude is literally – like, like if you if you were to tell me that he hasn't been like a four time MVP, like I'd be like, what are you talking about? Look at those yeah. look at that look at those box scores, dog. Like I don't know. Fortunately, it... Joel Embiid's a big fat crybaby. Yeah, I mean, hey, he just you know they just won a game thanks to Kelly Oubre today, so maybe people are looking on uh, Embiid as a as a as a rival to Jokic. But uh, I think second fiddle to Kelly Oubre. <laughs> I mean, even Toby had a good game. That's the crazy part, which is. Thankful that to, to all to all the non fantasy players out there, um, I have I made a trade in our fantasy league that uh, the entire group chat has has looked down upon, but is paying its dividends quite well, I might say, considering the man who I traded his return game, he put up fifteen fantasy points, and uh, the guy who I was initially it was remember the Garland remember when before the season started I was gonna trade from for Jamal for you, oh um, that's right yeah, and then Garland. Uh, first game of the season looks rough as hell. Comes back from injury, looks shaky, and I think it's not just the recovery. I think it's Donovan Mitchell playing like D Wade that might yeah. affect his <laughs> yeah. his fantasy right. ceiling. Yeah, Jamal's been a thirty like a, a consistent thirty thirty dub guy. So uh, I'm looking like a genius right now. That's looking pretty good, I would say. In terms yeah. of uh, you know what else goes on in the NBA season, we're still so early into it that I think that the most exciting kind of like time is still around the corner uh yeah we've we've seen the early projections like there's been a ton of injuries like simons has gone down cam johnson's gone down like there's a bunch of like oh no like all these players are like shaking up but it's good that they're getting them out of the way this season because it's also unironically given times for guys like uh suggs is looking really good on a bounce back mm. because of orlando's injuries Shaden sharp has looked great oh, uh, because of hooping, man. because of portland's injuries so i think you know, no, I think Shane Sharp is hooping because he's a hooper. I think he, this is just he, the he, guy is, he him. is He is indeed him. I think this is just who he is. But I think we've yet to see. Uh, you know, like Scoot's gonna bounce back. I, I got right. faith in it. Uh, right. I think we're 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 at the point where every little thing that we've been saving up for for an NBA season is 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 like it's coming to fruition. Yeah, it's it's like, here, man. We're in full I, swing. I, I, yeah. I fucking love it, man. I think. I think we can wrap up there. The only like two major like headlines, storylines that we didn't get to are like you said, Scoot is not playing great so far. I'm not worried about it. Like go go look at like Derrick Rose's first two games or like John Wall's first two games or Damian Lillard's first fight. Like it happens. He's he's a point guard who's being given the keys right off the bat. He's not gonna be that good. It's fine. Yeah. Now he hasn't had the same sort of pop and burst and like elite level athleticism as like he was billed to have. So that is kind of like, mm, that's a little question mark. What's going on with that? But in terms of the efficiency and he can't hit a shot and he's turning the ball over, like it's fine. He, he's a 19-year-old NBA point guard who's being given the keys to the franchise. Like he's not going to be good. And if you thought he was going to be good right away, I don't know, man. Like go look back at NBA history. Like he's been disappointing. He's been worse than he should have been. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not worried about it yet. So I didn't really feel the need to talk about it. And then the other thing is the Grizzlies are 0-5, about to be 0-6 if they lose to the Blazers again. I don't know. I feel like it's pretty obvious what's going on. They don't have Steven Adams. They don't have Brandon Clark. They don't have Job Morant, obviously. They, like the team just isn't really that good at the end of the day. Like it's Desmond Bain trying to do stuff on offense all the time. It's Marcus Smart holding the ball until there's five seconds left on the shot clock, which is <laughs> the Marcus Smart experience. As much as I love the guy, I'm glad I don't have to put up with that anymore. Like I, I am sad that he's gone, 
but like watching their last game and just watching him just shit the bed down the stretch, I was like, oh god, give me flashbacks, give me some PTSD flashbacks. So yeah, it's look, very clear that his game has not changed. <laughs> yeah, no, he's the same guy. But yeah, the Grizzlies, like it's pretty simple. Like when Jock comes back, they're going to be better, but they don't have a center on the team. Bismack Biombo's cool, but like he doesn't count. So they're not going to be that good. It's it's just the reality. Like they might sneak into the plan because they like Jaw will come back, but they don't have a center. So it's just not going to work out for them. You can't play without a center in the NBA as much as much as some people might try to say otherwise. But I think that'll do it for this episode. Mitch, thank you for coming on today and in future episodes because we'll be back next Friday with another episode. If we're going to be doing this weekly, I'm going to try and see like when I can fit other people in. But at least we know from now on we're getting one Hoop Journal episode a week. So that's very exciting. Um, thank you guys for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll be back, if not by Friday, then sooner than that. So thanks for listening and everyone have a great weekend.